Hey everyone, welcome to episode 121 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, and with me as always is Players' Championship Qualifier, Collins Mullen. Hey! Nice! Showing your uh, golden ticket to the camera for, for those of you listening to the podcast. I'm sorry you can't see this, but it's it's yeah. quite nice. Yeah, I it's it's a very fancy golden ticket. Mm-hmm. I'm ecstatic to have it in my possession. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Are you have you de-stressed <laughs> slightly? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, crap. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of de-stress for sure. Yeah. This invitational was probably the most stressful tournament I've ever played in. I'm sorry. Yeah. For for those unaware of like the things that were going on, the breakdown was essentially mm. Edgar and I were tied for first in, first out of the Players' Championship leading to, into this event. Of the yearly? Of the yearly, yeah. Mm-hmm. The slots that we were all competing for were the uh, yearly at-large bids. Yeah. Um, Edgar and I were tied. I had better tiebreakers than him, so technically I was in, he was out, but we had the same points. Mm-hmm. Um, we were one match win behind both Ross Merriam and Jonathan Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Um, one invitational match win. Right, one invitational match win. Each match win that you got over your competitors at the invitational was worth six points. Jeez, that's so many points. Yes, <laughs> a lot of points. Yeah, and then we all had potential to pass certain other players if they ended up bombing the invitational. Mm-hmm. Um, as it turned out, Zach Allen did not make day two. So when Edgar, Ross, Hobbs, and myself all made day two, we all had potential to pass Zach Allen. So mm-hmm. we were all locked for the Invitational with an X5 record. But yeah, I mean, but, you know, throughout day two, we were all just constantly checking in on each other <laughs> because we knew that one of us was not going to make it. Yeah. And that sucked. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and ultimately, like, the way it worked out is all of the Lotus Box guys who were live for it made it. So Zan and, and Jeremy were locks. Mm-hmm. Abe obviously was locked because of last season. Yeah. But you and Edgar both made it. Yeah. Um, Zach Allen did end up making it at the end of the day. Yeah. And unfortunately, it was Ross Miriam who had to be. But see, like everybody on the bubble, like whether it was you or Edgar or Hobbs or Ross, like any of those, like I don't love getting left out of the Players' Championship. Same. Like, yeah. All all good people, all strong players who who deserve it and mm-hmm. worked really hard for it. So you know, not a great ending, no matter how it goes. But I am really glad that you made it. Yeah, yeah, and I am happy that I made it for <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, it came down to it where I ended up X five in the last round, mm-hmm. and I knew that Ross and Hobbs had both gone below X six. So all I needed to do was draw the last round. Mm-hmm. Which would have been correct regardless of players' championship implications. We were just drawing into top 64. We yeah. were dead for top 32. So my opponent agreed to draw. And that was it. Yep. That's that's all you need. Yeah. Well, cool. Then you did it. I, I did mean, it. How does it feel? <laughs> like your whole, your whole season was building towards this and you did the thing. Yeah. What does it feel? Does it feel worth it? Does it feel like you have sacrificed too much? Like what's what's the emotion here? Um... It's complicated. Yeah. It, you know, it takes me a while to process those things just kind of always, you know. Mm-hmm. And when it was all over, you know, I was like very stressed and nervous and fidgety and walking around going into the last two rounds, you yeah. know. But then but then it was finally over and I just kind of like laid back in my chair and I like just waited for some emotion to hit me. <laughs> and it was all just kind of like, 
just a whirlwind of like stuff you know and nothing nothing like huge hit me immediately yeah it was just kind of like a all right you know we got there uh we did it it was mostly relief i think was the the emotion yeah um getting like i don't think that i can uh go directly from like anxiety highs to euphoria you know mm-hmm. and so there was like this weird transition of like believing it was actually happening you know like complimenting what it actually means i don't know if i yet can quite complement what it actually means mm-hmm. i think most of that's gonna hit me when we really get into testing process um and like show up at the event and stuff like that yeah you know for for now i'm just like very happy to be in and am now turning to the new stress of preparing for this big tournament yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um i mean you're real. you kind of are just replacing one thing with another yeah. but i mean like this is a really good thing like you made oh yeah you did this thing no like, for sure I, I mean like huge congratulations and I, I i know you worked so hard for it and yeah yeah, um, it was it was it was an emotional roller coaster throughout the entire thing. You yeah. know, like earlier this year, I thought I was just done with magic. Yeah, like do you remember that? Like yeah. I was just I you know for a while was just like all right, I'm gonna quit Lotus Box. I'm just not gonna play anymore. Yep. Um, I skipped several opens, and then I had a hot streak, and I was back in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, now I know this is a thing that I want. I'm gonna fight for it. I was kicking myself a long time for skipping those opens, mm-hmm. and I think that I like overdid the compromise for that leading up into the last home stretch like i i went on my own to ohio twice yeah. to play in iqs well if you didn't if i didn't i wouldn't be in yeah <laughs> yeah you know and, and i mean that that was definitely a costly thing to do not not in terms of like money but in terms of like the price that you just like paid you know, just the toll of driving up, spending a whole weekend doing that. I mean, cool. You, you like you get to hang out with Russell. Like they that, were great. That weekends. is not a bad thing for sure. Yeah. But it certainly is a lot of work, a lot of time out of you know, being at home and chilling to yeah. to go jam IQs right <laughs> ten hours away. Yeah, not the best. Only seven and a half hours. Away. So, okay, well, yeah, with with bathroom breaks and stuff. Though. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, it was it was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been it's consumed me for the past for the past six months at least. Yeah. Uh, where I, I think that that was about the time that I decided I'm just gonna shoot for this. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I have this ticket, I'm very happy to have it. I'm gonna have this for the rest of my life. It's great. Yep. I don't know if next year I'm going to have this be my goal. Well, you got to decide fast because there are IQs this weekend. I know. I know. <laughs> And IQ this weekend is only one hour away. How could I possibly not go? I'm considering going to it, honestly. Yeah. Well, I, I could I could go to Columbus, Grand Prix Columbus this weekend. Yeah. Um and that would be cool too. Yeah. I know Xana's going and stuff. Okay. But but yeah, you know, after like this year doesn't feel over for me yet, just because now that I've made it, like Right. Your focus has to be on getting ready for the PC. Yeah, and it really has immediately and that's why I'm not like super like euphoric like shouting from the rooftops that i've done it or whatever because i yeah. don't feel like i've done it yet all you did was qualify um, for a thing right we got there and now it begins yeah right because i do i do want to win this tournament and this tournament is i mean number one the tournament structure is the most convoluted thing i've ever seen it's wild it's it's yeah you get it put into pods and then those get split into like plan for buys versus plan for elimination. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you have like like there's like double elimination stuff where some people have buys. The like format that you play is determined by how you do in the preceding matches. It's extremely complicated. Yeah. But 
the upshot is you need to be ready to play. Everybody plays Legacy first, mm-hmm. and then in the tournament at some point, you're going to be playing Standard and you're going to be playing Modern. Right. So you need to be ready for all three of those formats. Yeah. And uh, two of those formats just got shaken up beyond belief. Yeah. So, <laughs> Which this, is good and exciting. It is know, good. For yeah. sure. And then, you know, right. So the bottom line is I need to be prepared for three formats. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking amongst our team about, like, whether or not some of these formats are more or less important. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of small potatoes compared to just be ready to play all of the formats. Yeah. I mean, you have to win at least a match or two against very good players with very good decks mm-hmm. in every one of these formats. Yeah. So maybe some matter a little more. You know, Legacy is first and everybody plays three rounds of that first. And if yeah. you do really well, if you 3-0 Legacy, then that puts you in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. But you could easily just end up in a spot where now modern is the most important thing because you got to play a whole bracket of modern or whatever. So, like, being less prepared in one format has a very reasonable chance of biting you in the ass. Yeah, um, right. And then the one thing that we do know is uh, pretty much all of the elimination matches Mm -hmm. are in standard. Mm -hmm. And the way that Jim Davis won in the past was he didn't really do that well in any of the formats except for standard Mm -hmm. where he had... Uh, I think he just, like, clean-swept standard every time. But it was always in those, like, high-pressure, like, if you lose, you're out, yeah. like, matches. Mm-hmm. But he ended up winning the whole thing because he just never lost in standard. Yeah. So, you know, that's also another consideration. Um, that's true. That, that makes sense. You know, standard's going to be, like, the thing that you're... It's going to be your last hope. So. Yeah. So you don't want to, like, get shot down to the elimination <laughs> bracket and then you're playing standard and you're just not confident in your standard deck at all. Right. That, that sounds like a bad situation. For sure. Yeah. And um, then, you know, another stressful thing for preparing for the PC is kind of the politics of it. Mm-hmm. Six Lotus Box members qualified. Yeah, that is the players championship. over a third. Yeah. Or, or, or not over. It is over. It is over. A third. It's over yeah, yeah, a third of the field. It's over a third of the field. Which is wild. Yeah. Uh, unprecedented. Uh, so, you know, we're figuring out right now what that looks like for our preparation for the event. Yeah. Are we going to stay six strong and, you know, test together? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are people going to break up, you know? We we have that to figure out in the next couple of days. How much of that stays a secret within, you know, because like one thing that, that I want to do is after the Players' Championship, I talked to Zach Allen and mm-hmm. he would like to come on and talk about preparing for the Players' Championship sure. from like an outside perspective where mm-hmm. he is, he knows that six people are on the same team. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I'll be interested in hearing like what he thinks is going on over here. Sure. But um, yeah. I don't know how much of that you guys are trying to keep quiet. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> fair yeah we'll see yeah but it you know it is an interesting element to it all yeah. and i'm i'll be i'll be i'm sure much more happy to talk about all the details of that post players of course but um but yeah i mean you know our preparation process is uh very intricate and interesting so we'll see how it goes yeah um several of you are very strong legacy players actually yeah. almost all of the the qualified members are really strong legacy players. If it's you and Edgar and Dylan, like, yeah. So like the, the first rounds, like hopefully you guys figure something out because they just banned Ren and six in legacy. They did just ban Ren and six. This is uh, yeah. going to be a wild ride. I think. Yeah. It's both standard and, uh, legacy have a, we have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. They're both pretty fresh. Yeah. And we're definitely going to talk about the formats individually. We're going to talk about the bands and talk about the formats individually. Um, sure. 
but I do want to take a little bit and just talk about like this past weekend and how the Invitational went, our decks for the Invitational, and, yeah, yeah, and that yeah. sort of thing. Because right, um, you know, we just spent a whole weekend playing Magic for we did <laughs> for pretty big stakes. Yeah. So. Well, which previous format do we want to talk about first? Well, uh, I guess Modern is still relevant because okay. they didn't ban anything in modern yeah so we can talk about the urza deck that we were you know yeah scrambling for all of the cards or we were scrambling for all the cards for both decks but oh no that's just classic lowest box <laughs> yeah but this one everybody was on the same yeah. two decks no yeah that's true we were this this tournament was pretty unique for us because in our past we have not have rarely all played the same deck mm -hmm. it's only started to happen more and more very recently mm -hmm. where we've had just a breakout deck and everybody's on board. Yeah. Um, and I love it when that happens. I think that that's just such a good indication that our process was strong. We came to a strong conclusion and we're going to crush the tournament. Yeah. Like with, you know, with Simic Urza, mm -hmm. uh, Urza midrange, those, you know, we just dominated that tournament and we were all playing it. Yeah. And then for, for this event as well, we, we came to a consensus for both of the formats, mm -hmm. which is really awesome. So Simic Urza, Stayed yep. on the same deck from Atlanta that we did really dominated with a with. slight twist. Yeah. So, uh, so we took essentially our previous Urza midrange deck and we took out the combo. Uh, so no Wurz, no Thopter combo. Um, instead, in that slot, we were playing Karns. Yeah. Um, and that was mostly uh for the mirror. Mm -hmm. We wanted Karn for the mirror because if you have that and your opponent is trying to Thopter combo, you, you're, it's just a huge advantage. In, right. In that it also messes up lots of other things. It like screws up their mana. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like if they have actual Urza in play, it's not doing as much. But mm -hmm. it really, and, and Oko can pressure it, but mm -hmm. it is still really hard to beat a lot of the time. Turns off Engineered Explosives, yeah. turns off Astrolabe. It's phenomenal in the mirror. Yeah. Absolutely. So we, we had it for the mirror. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things though was that i do believe that that came out at a cost i think that karn was worse against the rest of the field i think karn is worse against every other <laughs> deck in modern. maybe maybe not every other deck but a pretty solid close. percentage of yeah. the rest of the field um it makes you very favored in the mirror and then slightly worse against the rest but we believed that our matchup against literally every other, every other deck that wasn't like you know infect was still very strong for us mm-hmm uh, so we, I think we were willing to pay that cost. Yeah. Um, some interesting things happened, though, <laughs> uh, at the invitation. Yeah, it was it was quite a start to the modern rounds. Yeah. So, so as I'm sure everybody knows, uh, Team Lotus Box posts our deck lists in our Patreon mm -hmm. uh, the Friday at noon, uh, generally before each event. And speaking of which, the Lotus Box Patreon is doing great. Which yeah. is, oh, yeah. you know, one of the reasons for this thing that you're about to talk about. People have figured out that we're the best deck builders on the tour. <laughs> it's not particularly close. <laughs> team Nova members were playing our deck lists. Yep. Uh, team, you know, RIW members were playing our deck lists. It, everybody's just playing our deck lists. A, um, a Team Mythicos player or two was also on the deck list. Yeah, exactly. So everybody knows that we're the best deck builders. We're going to have the best deck for the event. So everybody is on uh, our Patreon. Mm -hmm. And... As a result of us posting our deck list in the Patreon, more people than not were playing Karns in their Urza deck. Yep. So, so that... it, was, uh, <laughs> it was kind of a mutually assured destruction sort of thing at it, that point. Honestly, it really was. Uh, because we... And because that was true, we ended up not quite being edged... Like edging other people out in the, in the mirrors. Right. It was that you had to play Karns just in order to keep up in the mirrors. Right. So that was kind of one of the interesting realizations that we had 
after the event is mm -hmm. that we we don't really know if it's correct for us because of this like weird nuanced niche scenario mm -hmm. of us like posting our list and other people adopting it right before the event. Yeah. Um, coming up with mirror tech might just be bad value for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially mirror tech that hurts us against the rest of the field. Right. Because what ended up happening was we all introduced Karn into our deck, which was good in the mirror, but then everybody else in the tournament also introduced Karn in the deck. So what happened was that we maintained even in the mirror and, and lost, in, and every lost other in every other matchup. Yeah, and so the ideal in that situation would have mm -hmm. been you guys think of Karn, yeah. but then don't put it in your deck. Right. Because, you know, you're not going to lie to your, your Patreon. Like, that's right. obviously just not, not, do that. not good business and not, <laughs> yeah. uh, not a reasonable moral thing to do. Yeah. You just don't put it in your deck. Mm -hmm. Nobody else thinks of Karn. Like, like the idea... Well, that's the thing. The problem is that other people can think of Karn. Right. And that was a big counter-argument for us. Like, you know, maybe we're just locked into keeping up and, mm -hmm. like, introducing the new technology because... Because, yeah, I mean, like, there are plenty of other players who are going to look at this Urza deck and be like... You know what I'm gonna do for the mirror is I'm gonna put in Karn and and beat up on all these Lotus Box guys, you know, and that would be disastrous, disastrous for us. Yeah, right. I mean, the ideal would be everybody shakes hands and agrees not to play Karns, because then everybody like we did with Blight Beetle, right? Exactly, like like the team <laughs> we'll, did with we'll Blight get with that. Yeah, because then you maintain the same win percentage in the mirror, mm -hmm. but you don't lose those points in the other matchups where you can have the combo or if you just want more grindy stuff, you can play thought casts or whatever you want. Right. Um, I do think Karn hurts you in the vast majority of other matchups. And part yeah. of that is because I made the tragic mistake <laughs> of starting 2-2 in Pioneer. Yeah. And so in Modern, I'm X2 to start. And yeah. so I just played against Burn three times in a row. Yep, that's pretty tough now with a bunch of Karns in your deck instead of this combo that Burn can't ever beat. Right. You have this yeah. life gain combo in your deck that even without Urza just beats Burn. Yeah. Instead of that, I had three Planeswalkers that just had no text whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, they can't even get an artifact that cycles out of the sideboard. So yeah. I had a game against Burn, or, or two cards, I, and I had a, a, a game against Burn where I had a crazy opening hand and just had a turn one Emery and then stuff to follow it up, and I just had two cards in my hand the entire game, and I had effectively infinite mana, but just no reason to ever cast the cards because they did nothing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but and then I and then I lost to Karn in the one mirror that I played. But yeah. I also played very badly in that mirror, well, so it's you know kind of a wash. Yeah, I mean you know, magic's hard. Yeah, it was certainly a unique scenario, mm -hmm. but definitely an interesting one and one that we'll have to like you know this whole like atmosphere is evolving because of the information age and and the tools that we are introducing to change up like yeah. how this works. You know, I thought that was a very interesting scenario. Definitely. Um, but it was very it was definitely interesting to to like see the metagame breakdown for day two. Mm -hmm. It was the top deck was fourteen percent Urza with Karn. Uh-huh. And then like two slots below that was like ten percent Urza no Urza Karn. No Karn. Yeah. So more people that made day two than didn't had our like day of technology mm -hmm. for the for the deck, which felt pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean you guys are definitely massively influencing the metagame. Also, yeah. that's a modern metagame with 20 something percent of what's really one deck you know yeah 20 like 24 25 percent uh played urza karn at that tournament yeah. or yeah played urza at that tournament yeah karn or not yeah man mox opal is a hell of a magic card yeah i 
I don't want to like overshadow how happy I am about the rest of the bands, mm-hmm. but I will say I'm sad that nothing changed in modern. Yeah. Yeah. I I believe that modern needed a mix up mm-hmm. because I think that we it's right now all close to being incorrect to play any other deck than than Urza at yeah. this point. The um, only other deck the deck that I would probably start considering because I really don't want these coin flippy Urza mirrors. I mean, they they are skill intensive. There are two decks that I will mention that I think, but yeah, I want to hear what yours is. Well, one of them I believe is the same, which is the four color Death Shadow deck yeah. that um, mm-hmm. that Russell Lee played and Hobbs worked with yeah. him on. Um, you know, your life total is not under pressure in ways that make Death Shadow bad right now, mm-hmm. um, especially if you have access to Stubborn Denial to help the burn fight. Running the threat suite of Goyf and Death Shadow is pretty good against Urza. The disruption against Urza, where you really only need to snag one or two cards, and then all they have like a pile of enablers as you kill them with a very quickly with a Death Shadow. Um, and then the Traverse the Home Wall package. Um, just like a really impressive deck, and I know that that Russell did really, really well with it, and um I think that's like my primary like okay, I probably want to start here for modern yeah. deck. Yeah, that's definitely I so it's close for me between Grixis Death Shadow and Four Color Shadow. Mm-hmm. I'm not sold which one of those is better. Yeah. I'm actually leaning more towards Grixis Death Shadow mm-hmm. just because I'm a firm believer in Gurmag Angler. Yeah. Um, Very hard to engineer explosives of Gurmag Angler. Yes. Gurmag Angler in this metagame is much stronger than Tarmogoyf in mm-hmm. my mind. And having access to that over, you know, the the Tarmogoyfs is, is pretty huge when, when your opponents are all playing engineered explosives and stuff. I wonder if there's a way to play... Like, Thought Scour, Gurmag Angler, and Traverse the Wald in the same deck. I've seen a couple of four-color lists with, like, two anglers floating around. Mm-hmm. Maybe one angler floating around. It's not It's not crazy. Yeah. But it, it's, it is a significant nombo with Tarmogoyfs, because you, you, you end up having only... Like, right. it's like zero to one to two cards in your graveyard. Well, so yeah, and it, it's particularly... Like, you could replace the Tarmogoyfs with Gurmag Anglers, sure. but that's a Nambo with Traverse the Ulvenwald then. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, Traverse and Gurmag in the same list are... That's, that one's tough. It's troubling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But, yeah, Shadow... I mean, Shadow's one of the decks that does, I believe, have a strong matchup against Urza. Mm-hmm. The other deck that I believe has a strong matchup against Urza is uh, Eldrazi Tron. Yep. Your favorite deck? No, but I I agree. <laughs> you you are the best Karn deck because you yeah. didn't have see like I one of the reasons I didn't like Karn in the Urza deck mm-hmm. multiple reasons. Okay. Uh, number one is you aren't you don't really have the mana to leverage Karn in that deck unless you also have Urza out because you just you you have a reasonable amount of mana but it's not enough to like Karn and Snaring Bridge or whatever. Right. Um. And so it, it's a much less powerful play. Because you usually need to take a turn before you can do the thing that it's enabling you to do, unless it's just prison locking them mm-hmm. as you cast it. Um, and the other thing is that like Urza really likes its sideboard slots. Yeah, there's problems that need to be solved, and the sideboard slots, when you are this many colors, can solve a lot of them. And then spending them, you know, you don't directly spend very many of them on Karn wishboard targets because. The Pithing Needle can get sideboarded in, the Damping Spheres can get wished for. But you are spending one on a Mycosynth Lattice, and you know, your your sideboard slots are influenced by having Karn, and it's really hard to spend that slot equity on those things. Yeah. 
Eldrazi Chan solves both of these by having a lot of mana, and also its sideboard is terrible, so (laughs) great. Yeah, there's nothing else to put in your sideboard except for Micah and Flattis. Yep. So, might as well. Yeah, we're maxed out on dismembers, so... Yep. Yep. Um, Yeah, Eldrazi Chan, if I were playing this tournament this weekend, which I'm not sure if I'm going up to Columbus or not, I believe that my top choice would be Eldrazi Tron mm-hmm. if I didn't want to play Urza. Because uh, I think it has a good Urza matchup, and I think that it has a decent shadow matchup as well. Can we cut Matter Reshaper? Is that possible? Nope. That card is not good. <laughs> it's good in some matchups. It's good in some spots in some <laughs> matchups. There's no, All right. There's I'll compromise The you. only matchups where it's like, this is a good card... Our yeah. me- decks that are unplayable because Urza, Tron- or Urza exists. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I really would like to find a replacement for Matter Reshaper. <laughs> um, but yeah. there's only so many colorless cards legal in modern, so. Uh, true. Yeah. Matter Reshaper. It's, you know, it's just, it's just exactly what you want to see when your opponent yeah. plays. Sometimes your opponent goes, turn one. Uh, Tron piece map and you're like oh no and then their next turn sometimes it's just a miracle their next turn they go Eldrazi temple mattery shaper <laughs> and you just shout with joy yeah because you were on the draw and they like kept six and you're like oh god yeah, is, yeah yeah I'm so screwed here <laughs> right yeah oh man but anyways I you know I'm, I'm down to, to poke fun of that deck as well but I think it's just really strong mm-hmm. position right now yeah so but yeah, you know that's uh, so that's modern right now in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Only really three options. Yeah, um, the the other thing that one thing that I was really scared of running into with Urza was some sort of spell heavy combo deck, something that Oko doesn't interact with mm-hmm. at all. Sure. Um, and so you know these are the the storms, the ad nauseums. Honestly, like Pyromancer's Ascension, like terrified me the the the, like i was just thinking like somebody's gonna come up with this right somebody's gonna come to the envy with some like pyromancer's ascension deck and just beat everybody who's doing urza stuff potentially um didn't happen yeah but uh there are weaknesses here that are very exploitable if and you know the the metrics change when you're in a 16 man tournament and yeah. especially if you know what five of the other people in the tournament are on or whatever then you have right. all sorts but in a regular modern tournament if you know that 25% of the field is going to be urza like we can start doing some kind of wacky stuff that urza is kind of incapable of beating as built with just a couple of counter spells and sideboard damping spheres yeah so yeah um yeah and you know and but that is you know that is another point is that a lot of these like spell based combo decks are definitely very strong uh, game one against Urza, mm-hmm. but sometimes it can get very difficult for them post-board. Yeah. Like, I ran four Damping Spheres on the sideboard. I, I think that was right. Yeah. But I also never feel safe against Storm because I have a Damping Sphere in play. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think I have plenty of ways of getting permanence off the board post-board, mm-hmm. so. But something can beat Urza. Yeah. Even if it's just not, like, a good, quote-unquote, modern deck. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that the deck is built is it's very board-oriented, and the stack is potentially a point of weakness for it. So. Yeah. yeah, we will see what happens, and I'm I'm interested in seeing what you guys come up with. Um, although definitely, like, a- as a warning to all the listeners, like take the PC deck list with a grain of salt because they are prepared for a 16 man tournament where everybody is friends with everybody in the tournament and is preparing to battle like a very specific field. So yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. 
Um, so we're talking about Pioneer for from the past invitation. Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. talk about the talk about Pioneer. So let's talk about our deck. Right. We ended up on kind of a different build, a bigger build of uh, hardened scales. Yeah. The traditional hardened scales decks were playing like experiment ones mm-hmm. and uh, what's the other one? Pelt collector. Pelt collector. This was like, like what Casey was working with. Yeah. Um, there were also some with uh, like steel overseer, but I think mm-hmm. like that got recognized pretty quickly as like kind of not the way of doing this. Yeah. You can't um, untap with your two drop and like rely on that to win you the game. Yeah. Um, so we really liked these like hard and scale effects, hard and scales and snake. And, but we also knew that kind of the like the default best deck for this tournament was Monogreen. Mm-hmm. You know, Veil of Summer got banned the Monday before, uh, but that wasn't like a huge blow for this Monogreen deck that put up like five of eight of the top eight of the previous Magic Online event. Yeah. Um, it was very clear that that was a winning recipe. Um, even like, and it kept on doing that after like the, the two broken cards in the deck got banned, which yeah. was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about that cause that was yeah. before the envy, but you yeah. know, deck is still very good. Yeah. Deck continued to put up results. Um, even after the veil of summer ban, who would have thought that, this deck <laughs> right. is, that didn't run that card is still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So we really liked that shell, but we didn't really like some of like the weird things going on in it. Mm-hmm. So we took out those weird parts. And we just put in the hardened scales cards. Yeah, and it turns out that that shell was very, very strong. Mm-hmm. We were able to go over the top of all of the other green decks because we. Well, it was kind of a combo of going over the top and also just like having faster walking ballistas to like kill their elves off. Yeah, true. Just being able to like operate on a lower mana density and not being like super reliant on mm-hmm. your mana accelerants was really good. Yeah. Because we were able to play black removal spells in the green mirrors. And that, to me, was really what made my matchup against these green decks feel really strong. Mm-hmm. Was that I access, had access to Fatal Push and Noxious Grasp post-board yeah. to keep them off their elves. And the mono green deck really struggles if you hit their elf, it, to a surprising degree. Being able to do that and then also just like have a Noxious Grasp for their Nissa or their Pelucranos or whatever like big thing they were trying to slam. Yeah, uh, You were just able to go over the top of that really well. And I think you reach this in, like, a couple of ways. Like, one is like, hey, that mono green deck is really good. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we change it by taking out some of the bad cards and putting in hardened scale stuff? That's how we got to it. But the other way would be looking at a hardened scales deck and going, this is a green deck. Why is it not running eight elves once upon a time as, like, the way it does its business? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we pretty much locked in on eight elves once upon a time on Monday when we knew it was still legal. Yeah. We, I mean, Casey Lancaster put it really well on Twitter you have the opportunity to play eight Mox Emeralds in this in this <laughs> format and a free way to find them, you should just be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Elves are, it's just one of the fundamentally, like a man advantage just in general is one of the fundamentally most powerful things you can do in magic. Mm-hmm. Lanner Elves and Elvish Mystic are like the only and best way of doing that in this format. So you just yep. should be doing that. Um, and the way this particular deck is built, it's incredibly strong at winning board battles stronger even than oko i had lots of turn two okos cast against me that were more or less irrelevant yeah um because all all of our creatures have plus one plus one counters on them so they're just growing (laughs) i had multiple of my like seven power voracious hydras turned into 10 power voracious hydras just because my opponent had to chump block them you can't do that when it has trample yeah yeah i won most of those games the one i lost where that happened was to possibility storm Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing is the weakness of the deck. If yep. they can make the board not matter, you actually 
don't necessarily kill them that quickly if they're able to interact with you a little bit and then do something that goes over the top of the board. Yeah. And so that made Possibility Storm pretty hard. Um, and in particular, blue-white control is... Uh, we had tools against it, and I like split my matches against it, but it felt really difficult. Yeah. One of the big problems that I found with our approach to blue-white control is we're leaning relatively heavily on Thoughtseize, um, which is a really rough card against a Dig Through Time deck. True. Uh, like, I... I Thought sees my blue-white opponent, and I was in a really rough spot. Do I take their early interaction so maybe I can kill them? But I'm down a card. I'm less likely to be able to do that. I'm putting a card in their graveyard, and they're going to be able to dig through time pretty soon yeah. and just completely undo my thought sees. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Um, and that's also part of why I really liked our technology of Golgari Charm. I love the Golgari Charm. The Golgari Charm was great for me. Yep. It just gives you protection against Supreme Verdict. Mm -hmm. And if you ever Golgari Charm a Supreme Verdict, the game ends immediately. immediately. It's just over. Yep. Like, you just, like, have lethal in play, they verdict you, you mm -hmm. regenerate all your creatures, and they die. It's, yep. it's just that simple. That card was phenomenal for me. And it came up a lot where I, like, I boarded it in against uh, the Supreme Verdict decks. Mm -hmm. it, I boarded it in against Nexus, just mm -hmm. to be able to hit their Wilderness Reclamation. Yeah, great. It was very versatile. Did you bring it in against the uh insole artifact decks the blue red decks. i did okay yeah. i did too it was like kind of medium but better than like i i i just took out planeswalkers yeah 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 so yeah i i did like it there um if you ever got to hold it up on their turn sometimes you could like really get them by giving the board minus one minus mm -hmm. one because they have a lot of like silly tiny creatures yeah sometimes you kill an insole artifact um it was a little awkward in some spots because i did draw it and their draw consisted of just like non one one artifacts and the one three animate yeah. creature skilled animator. Um, that was certainly very awkward. And, and we actually have it there, but we actually don't have a lot of answers to skilled animator besides mm -hmm. like well, yeah, kill the you know if it's a dark steel citadel, hopefully we have a five six in play. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a flying creature, hopefully we can just fail yeah. push it. But yeah, my plan in that matchup was to make a five six. Or, like, in some scenarios, um, you can, like, fight down the 1-3 with a Bracious Hydra. Yeah. But sometimes you're just better off just making a very large creature. Because at the point where you can fight it down, you can make a 6-7. Yeah. At least. Um, and the way... I don't know if we talked about this last time, but the way that Hardened Scales works when you double the counters on Bracious Hydra... Oh, it's nice. ...is every Scales effect adds three counters to the Hydra, because you had one, and then it doubles to two. So that's that's the shortcut, is right. whatever your size your Hydra would be, you just add three for each Scales effect. Yeah. Um, I definitely had multiple times where I, like, said, I'm going to cast this and double it, and then I put a number on the die, and they go, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's how many counters? <laughs> yeah. That feels pretty good when that happens. Right, right. Um, I also, you know, new format, not, like, people don't know all of these interactions. Uh, I, I had multiple opponents just not realize one of the keywords that my Stone Cold Serpents had. I, yeah, I, I ran the trifecta throughout the tournament <laughs> where each thing became relevant that my opponent didn't, didn't realize. about. Yeah. <laughs> then you're going to, like... So I had an opponent, uh, I played a Stone Cold Serpent, yep. my opponent had an Oko in play, so I knew that on his turn he was going to plus targeting the Stone Coil Serpent, or try to, and so he does that, and I say, I'm sorry, it has protected from multicolored, and he goes, oh, right, 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 uh, and he had a Heart of Kieran in play. Okay. So this was a 5-5 Stone Coil Serpent that I'd specifically played to block 
Right, of, of course. Karen. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sorry you can't do that. It has pro multicolored. And then, and then what happened? Well, I, well, but, and so I thought that at that point, you know, he had read the card and would know what it does. And so my, my joke at that point was like, yeah, once, once like two keywords on this card are useful, it's like the best possible card on the table. And, and the keywords I was referring to were, of course, protection from multicolored and reach. Reach. Uh, but then he removes a counter from his Oko, cruises Heart of Kieran, attacks me with his 4-4. I just sort of push my, sheepishly push my 5-5 in front of it. Oh, no. Um, yeah. So I've never... That's the only time that I got two unknown keywords mm-hmm. in one matchup. That's but, pretty good. Uh, I yeah. definitely got all of them over the course of the weekend. Yeah. 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 It, mine was very good to me. Um, Stone Call Serpent is, it just does so many things. I was actually testing before the week with, uh, Dubes looking over my shoulder <laughs> and he got to witness many, many flyers run into my, uh, <laughs> run, run into my Stone Call Serpent. A lot of smugglers yeah. copters have oh, just like yeah. crashed into the Stone Smugglers Call copters, uh, rankles, just, just everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have caught a rankle. Oh that, yeah. That was yeah, great. Yeah. I have not caught the, the dream is to catch spell queller. Yeah, that's what you really want. Yeah. It got to the point where I would, uh, like, you know, my opponent would like have a flyer in play. I'd play my soul call serpent. I'd turn to dubs. I'd say, "What do you think? Do you think they know?" And he'd go, "No way!" And then they'd immediately attack into it. Yeah. <laughs> for for a solid week, it's just shriek yeah. maw against flying creatures. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a dead shot oh, minotaur. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so things to work on with the deck going forward. I I really do think that we have to reevaluate. Like how we approach the blue white matchup. I do love Golgari mm-hmm. Charm in the matchup, yeah. But I, I, I'm also like not one million percent that we should be taking the hardened scales out because one of the problems with the deck is you only have twenty lands mm-hmm. and you are relying on Lanowar Elves to make mana to make some of your threats big enough or to get them on board quickly enough. And if you do that in such a way that, like, you know, I had a, a game against Blue White where I my hand was just like a two land, two land or elves hand, and I couldn't throw it back because it had enough mana. But the way it played out, I just I had a Golgari charm in hand. I wasn't able to keep it up because I had to, like, put a threat into play. And then I just got all my stuff Supreme Verdicted. And maybe I should have played really, really slowly, but that's just playing into their having, having Sphinx's Revelation in their hand game plan. So if I had had like a hardened scales to develop on the board, then I would be able to play creatures that are bigger. And like Voracious Hydra is pretty bad in the matchup, but yeah. that's the one that like is standalone for very little mana with a hardened scales is gigantic. Yeah. So I that's one. I don't believe that Blue White Control is a very good Pioneer deck, but I think yeah. it's a very present in the metagame deck. Agreed. That, yeah. that we need to make sure that we have the best possible plan against with whatever deck we play. Um, Not that we're playing Pioneer for a while, but... Yeah, Pioneer is the one that I've just immediately checked out of, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no Pioneer at the PC. I'm pretty sure that's locked at this point. It's Mm -hmm. just going to be standard Legacy Modern. Um, So, yeah. Back on the grind for those. Yeah. Yep. Um, So we won't worry too much about Pioneer going forward for a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it will be relevant starting next season. Because we got... Yeah, yeah. By no means am I like excited to forget about Pioneer. I think Pioneer is great. It's one of the newest formats that just you know I'm very excited about it moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Legacy, you know, you got to start thinking about that. Indeed. What uh, 
What are your thoughts? No Ren and Six, so Rug Delver is honestly probably not the default Delver mm -hmm. deck anymore. Um, yes, almost certainly not. Um, I think you go back to either Blue Red or Grixis with, mm -hmm. with Delver. I think like Gurmag is one of the stronger cards, and you get Thoughtseize as well, mm -hmm. just like to add to the um, interactive elements. Mm -hmm. The mid range decks are going to go back to being more him oriented instead of. Right, you need Ren a different oriented. card advantage card yeah. that costs not a million mana. Yeah. Um, um, and also, a, a big part of the legacy metagame is that the decks that were specifically hated out by Ren and Six are back on the menu. Mm -hmm. Death and Taxes and yeah. Elves. Yeah are going to be very strong contenders, I think, moving forward. D&T mm -hmm. um, gets to come back. It was gone for a little bit while all of their X1s were slowly pinked down. Elves is back on the menu, which makes me excited. <laughs> I love Elves. Elves is my first like favorite legacy deck that I played, so I'll be interested to see if I can get that to work a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but another big problem is that it... It seems like lands might just be the best deck now. Mm -hmm. uh, lands adopted four Okos in the main deck. Yep. They can play it early. Mm -hmm. It's a Oko's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> For those unaware. Yeah. In Magic the Gathering, Oko's a problem. The, um, out of lands, mm -hmm. like, Oko is even, like, a plan against Reanimator. Like, one of its yeah. tough matchups. Yeah, honestly. Uh, Reanimator just has a really hard time existing right now because mm -hmm. if they, you know, if they don't have their, like, perfect draw of, like, you know, Grizzle Random to strip your hand and take away your Okos, mm -hmm. you can just, you know, beat, a like, a... A, a couple of a things. A couple of things. Yeah. Right. Uh, Oko, yeah, Oko becomes a very large problem. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that gives Lands a lot of tools, and Lands already had a decent amount of tools in that matchup. Mm -hmm. So, that'll be interesting. But, of course, Lands is a reasonably exploitable deck similar to urza it plays to the board really really well yeah and you know uh sneak and show has always been good against it and uh i don't like you know there's storm options certainly if you're one of the people who can play legacy storm true um yeah you know there's there's definitely ways to beat lands and yeah. since you are going into a small tournament where you can hopefully Make make strong predictions about the meta. You're right. Yeah, I'm sure you'll come up with solutions here. Oh yeah, yeah. I I'm not I'm not really as as worried about legacy. Mm -hmm. I feel pretty confident in that format. Yeah. Um. There are a lot of legacy ringers at the Players Championship this year. Yep. But you know I can hold my own in that format. I so I agree. I think yep. you'll be fine. <laughs> Let's see. What have we not talked about yet? We've talked about all of those formats. We just have so many. Formats to keep track of these days. Um, yeah, I mean, have we gone over all of the bands? Yeah, I guess we have. We have not talked about standard like at all, huh? Because yeah. we're just so used to not talking about standard. Yeah. Because why would we ever talk about standard? Why would we ever talk about yeah, standard? Yeah. But now it's like reasonably relevant. Is this GP coming up as standard GP? What's the format in Columbus? In Columbus, it's modern. It's modern. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, never mind. Yeah, but so Veil of Summer, Oko, mm -hmm. and Once Upon a Time were all banned in standard. Yeah, jeez. That's a lot. Did it. Rip Green. Yeah, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we should have just like mentioned that earlier when we were talking about talking about bands and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, this is the part of the podcast where we do that, I guess. <laughs> food is, at least in the form, the food deck yeah. 
is gone. Food is still really present in standard because holy crap, a lot of people are playing cat in the oven now. Yeah, the I think the the immediate like best deck remaining mm-hmm. was what are the, what is the color combination? Jund, I guess. Jund. Jund or black red or yeah. just some combination of just cats, ovens, mm-hmm. and uh, trail of crumbs. Yeah, was just the uh, you know a really good engine that you know maintained post oko yep so people really jumped on that it seemed to be doing really well um i was watching a little bit of twitch rivals today Mm -hmm. it seemed like some of the more popular decks were black red sacrifice Mm -hmm. this trail of crumbs sacrifice deck also jeskai fires yeah jeskai fires was reasonably popular team of reclamation Mm -hmm. might also just be so one of the best tier one decks that one was played and, and, of course, the fact that these players chose it means there is something there. But it was played sure. by several very good players. I know Reed played it. Uh, LSV played it. Mm-hmm. Logan Nettles, Jabberwocky played it. Most of them, I know Jabberwocky was doing okay last I checked. But uh, Reed and LSV and a couple other people playing it just kind of got bodied with it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not I mean, sure these players are not there. immune for making bad calls in, in early metagames. Yeah, so. yeah. And in particular, leaning on Flame Sweep as your like primary re- removal spell makes you very vulnerable to opponents playing creatures that don't die to Flame Sweep mm-hmm. um, and, and killing you before your stuff comes on. That said, Wilderness Reclamation is still a hell of a card, and when you do have it and just have it in play, like you kind of can't lose to anything except an in-play to Fairy. So. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I am not really sure where Standard goes going forward, but things that we can do now that we could not do before... We can cast creatures that cost four mana, and they don't get turned into elk. Mm-hmm. So I know that like feasting troll king is something that people have been trying out again. The like week zero standard deck that kind of never came to fruition because you right. can't invest in something like that when there's an oko on the other side of the board. yeah. Your your big monster that you get to cheat and play early is just not quite as scary when it's an elk. Nope. <laughs> or when your opponent was making zombies the next turn that right yeah, trade yeah. with a seven six yeah <laughs> so that that thing is like possibly back on the menu um you can also thought erasure your opponent now without mm-hmm. getting cryptic commanded for one green mana yeah so that and some amount of counter magic is more available there's still teferi keeping counter magic down but it's not every green deck that's just gonna crush you post board with a one mana spell so. <laughs> true yeah yeah, I think that, uh, you know, and speaking of Teferi, I think Teferi gets to be another pillar again. Because mm-hmm. Teferi pretty much disappeared for a while yeah. in Standard. Yeah. I think that Grixis, or not Grixis, Esper is likely back in some real way. Yeah. Um, so. Menguji posted a, a wild list that he played at uh, Twitch Rivals today. What did he today. play? So, I mean, it's Esper. It's Esper control, kind of. But in, like, two of the Kaisrath slots, he's running Rituals of Soot. Because he's running for uh, Basilica Bell Haunts. And so you like get one in play, force them to like commit, and you ritual a sudden and like keep your Basilica Bell Haunt. So it's like pretty cute. Um, the top end is really not. The top end is Liliana Dreadheart General. Like okay. that's, that's kind of the only thing available sure. to that sort of deck these days. Um, so I'm not sure that the payoff is that exciting. But the control cards that get you there, the Thought Erasures and the Wraths and, and that sort of, and the, the Oath of Kaya's, the, like, those are all good cards. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. It's pretty good. Very reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, Dubes is mentioning the Embercleave decks. 
Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Embercleave might be another pillar. Yeah. Um, I do love that card. I mean, aggro decks were, like, heavily kept down by the ability of the food decks to just get on the board and yeah. get toughness there and yeah. Wicked Wolf your guys. And right. so attacking is much more palatable. Embercleave is definitely a really strong card. I'm not high on Gruel just because, like, how do you cast your stuff? You don't have Once Upon a Time anymore. Like, it, I don't know. It, it's just not... Yeah. Are I'm, there I, any mono-red Embercleave decks yeah, floating around? Yeah, I'm down to do something mono-red Embercleave. I'm down to do, like, Knights with Embercleave still. Mm -hmm. Like, that seems fine to me. I just am not excited about Gruel with just Stomping Ground. Like, yeah. no thank you. Oh, also, you know, Embercleave was already okay when there was Oko around because it does its thing the turn it comes into play. Yeah. But if you'll recall, Embercleave was a member of a cycle of legendary artifacts, all of which were rendered unplayable by Oko's existence. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. And in particular, I'm thinking of the Great Henge. Yeah. Uh, okay. Which, you know, showed some promise initially. It did. I remember that being talked about quite a lot in the early phases of yeah. Standard as like, wow, this card is really, really strong. Let's try to maximize it. Mm -hmm. But then it just got elked a lot. Right. And like people it, forgot about it. It was really, really strong. It was very yeah. good in those decks. Yeah, yeah. But if your opponent has an Oko in play, it just is it does, it, It's an elk. Yeah. Oh my god, Oko. <laughs> so... Uh, I am excited. I, you know, I pre-ordered my Great Henges. I bought them very early and just haven't had a chance to play them. And yeah. I'm gonna try, man. I'm gonna run some Growth Chamber Guardians and and Great Henges, and I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna do that nonsense. No, I think it's definitely a good uh, good good point again in the metagame mm -hmm. for sure. I admittedly also love Cat Oven decks. So I yeah, I know. Every time I see that combo, I always think of you. Yeah, you love some some sax synergy. I do, <laughs> and you know what. <laughs> Our, our set review, man. Yeah. Oh, you... I, I, I was on it, man. I was that, not a believer, and you were, and I gotta give you credit for it that. It took a long, long time for that to be effective. It took some bannings. <laughs> well, here we are. Um, yeah. But, I mean, and we'll see if that actually stays good. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is still a little bit small ball. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, you're not going to keep up with an opponent with a great henge in play by doing cat stuff, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what the... You know, we, we're we in the wilds now because we don't know several things. We don't know what the most played decks are. We also don't know what the over-the-top, what's the biggest thing you can do in standard. Yeah, what's the big deck? So, uh, um, yeah, that'll put its constraints on the mm -hmm. format, and, yeah. and we'll see. I would guess that it would be Esper, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. And, and if it is Esper, then you have, like, time to do weird things. Mm -hmm. If the big thing is one-for-ones into Liliana, like, you can combat that with things that go many, many turns into the game. Because, like, a Liliana is not unbeatable. You can, like, channel mana into something and, and beat a Liliana. You can yeah. use a, the Great Henge to get card advantage and beat a Liliana. So, uh, unlike Field of the Dead or whatever, just, like, massive value engine that, that we have had before, I believe Nissa will still be good. Yeah. Like, we still have access to Nyssa and Hydroid Crisis, and you can put them in the same deck that is allowed. It's just that Nyssa is going to die to combat damage every once in a while now, where she never did before with Oka. Right. So, yeah. I would not sleep on Nyssa decks. They've been good the whole time she's been legal yeah, and standard. The combo is still in standard. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not really going anywhere. You could still cast it on turn three. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. You got to 
Gotta run Goose for that, and Goose is a lot worse when you don't have Uku. <laughs> Goose is a lot worse when you don't have Uku. Okay, it gets banned for a couple days, and now I just it's have just forgotten from your vocabulary. Yeah. Okay. You know, I only play it in every other format in Magic or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, we have to spend like the last half hour of the show talking about Narset getting restricted in Vintage. Yeah, or we could skip that, or we could just not. <laughs> um, I do love Vintage. But I just never, I never yeah, get to play it. Vintage is cool to watch. Yeah, shout out to uh, Oko once again for turning a, a black lotus into an elk for the victory <laughs> of the last eternal. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just uh, eternal weekend. So, Oko is wild, man. Just the best, wild. The and best Oko, card in every format. It's imagine. much more wild the earlier you can play it, and Vintage is just the like, oh yeah, right. we put all these three these three drops in our deck just because we can just cast them on turn one. Yeah, and you have a and you also need like a bunch of nonsense lying around for Oko to do stuff with. Vintage is oh, perfect for that. Of nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Oko, oh yeah, Oko also won the players cube. Oh yeah, I, I remember we like we were I think we were like doing our own cube and we like flipped to that. And it was the finals of the SCG, like, cube mm -hmm. finals. And there was Oko turning a mox into an elk and attacking your opponent. Like, oh, okay. You just, you yeah. just can't get away from it. Right. Bannon and standard. I do like how Justin Parnell tweeted out in response to uh, the new bannings of Oko being banned in a bunch of formats with Oko is also banned in cube. <laughs> just so everybody, so it's clear for everybody else. Yeah. I know there were... Some decisions that went into at least the popper cube mm -hmm. that went over Parnell's head. Um, I'm thinking particularly about the vote that put uh, Pestilence into the cube. Mm -hmm. uh, I know he was not happy about that. Uh, black was already kind of the best color in the cube, and Pestilence is about three times as good as right. any other card in the cube. Yeah. Like conservative so estimate. Not great. Did, wait, so Pestilence was in the cube? Pestilence did end up in the cube because it was voted in by oh. the player base. Um, they just like had a series of articles where they voted on what we... Because that's why it's called the player's cube. Is okay, because players sure, sure. picked some of the slots. Yeah. Um, they voted for Pestilence? I, I... What a meme. I was subjected to a lot of bad beat stories about... Oh, like, no. I was doing this and then my opponent drew Pestilence. <laughs> of course. And then there was also the... My opponent attacked with a yavamaya elder and i blocked it and he got two forests and i had i was able to relax because i knew he wasn't splashing for pestilence right so yeah you know the, uh that card should not have been in the cube yep unfortunate unfortunate yeah um but i'm glad they brought cube back this weekend people were very excited about it and had a great time with it love cube cube's yep. great yeah i you know i considered playing one of the things on sunday mm -hmm. but or were there any more cube qualifiers on Sunday? There was. There was the, like yeah. one more. Okay. You were not awake. Good. <laughs> yeah. There was a bit yeah. of a party at the Lotus Box there, House. There may have been a party. May have um, been a little bit of drinking. May have been a little bit of drinking. All completely kept well under control, however. Just a really civilized event of a responsible adults. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we all like reasonably uh, in, in a reasonable emotional state after mm -hmm. qualifying for the Players' Championship. Right. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah, no, uh, it was a bunch of 22-year-olds who had been really stressed out for about six months and finally got to just hang out and drink a little bit. And, yeah. You know, things got a little wild. Uh, I ate some of Hobbs' sweet tarts and then... <gasps> it was you! It was me. You're <laughs> going to announce that to the podcast? I'm I gonna, thought we were keeping that a secret. I'm going to... I'll buy him some... some 
Chewy Sweet Tarts. Uh, okay. Yeah. Ne- for the next <laughs> Dom, Dom, Dom in with the... <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know they were his, but I also uh, don't regret it. Uh, yeah. Perfect. They were delicious. Yeah. So, we're good. whatever. As long as you own it. <laughs> I do. Yeah. And buy him some sweet tarts later on. Well, yeah. and, and maybe he'll listen to this podcast after being told about mm-hmm. the confession, and then we'll get one more listener that way. So, <laughs> uh, okay. I see how it is. Yeah. Worth <laughs> Solid. Yeah. Lee played in a cube qualifier on Sunday. Man, I've watched a lot of my friends lose in the top eights of these cube qualifiers that's a bummer i watched zach hill beat old friend sawyer lucy mm-hmm. in the semifinals and then beat philip marshall in the finals uh of one of the cube qualifiers and then i watched lee get carned to death in the top eight of another very the, sad. A modern qualifier yeah <sighs> i really would have really wanted to see one of them could have been great finals yeah yeah oh well next time hopefully I guess they haven't announced what's going to be happening at the next interview, but hopefully. Oh, there oh. will be cube. It is. It is. I th- I'm pretty sure a, a mainstay now. Yeah. Although that might not be true just because they have promised that legacy will be he- a heavy part of. Um, oh, the next, the next cons. Hmm. So maybe just this is like a, yeah, th- maybe this is going to be like a, a, a winter in V thing or something like that. Like we have cube every winter in V or something like that. And then legacy, the other one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Could be something like that. Oh yeah, mystery draft was also a pretty big hit. Um, oh yeah, I I I'll be honest, I've heard that said a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Don't know what it is. Oh, so it is. Uh, <laughs> basically, it is chaos draft, okay. but in a, a product. So the set oh. is like seventeen hundred cards or something like that. Okay. So you really have no idea what you're going to get in your pack, but I believe that this is really like a given very labor labor of love mm-hmm. and he has been working on this for like four years sort Ooh. of like curating and cultivating like a group of cards that actually like have a bunch of hidden synergies and stuff like that and while you know obviously most of them don't come up during any given draft of 1700 cards like some peek through and it's it apparently is very balanced and fun and interesting and of That's course awesome. there are the the goofy playtest cards. I don't know if you. Oh, I've seen pictures of that. That's so, where that's from. Okay. Yeah. So the so but most of those aren't really relevant to the draft. A lot of them just don't really like do anything. They're more like a cool tchotchke you can pick okay. up during the draft. Solid. Um. But yeah, I'm surprised. Like I do not enjoy chaos draft. It's okay. not like yeah. a thing that I ever want to do because you just have all these cards that don't work. Yeah. 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 Um. And apparently You're drafting a bunch of like synergy archetypes and it's just not right. Yeah. Like what am I supposed to do with this infect creature? In <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, Get in for 10? I'll do my best. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Please don't kill this after I've attacked with it four times. Uh, Yeah. So apparently, like, that's just not the case with these mystery packs. It it, it actually, like, Mm -hmm. you don't get, like, punished for taking cards with interesting abilities and that sort of thing. Okay. So, um, you know, I'd like to try it sometime. And apparently they, like, sold out of these drafts every single day. So Mm -hmm. people like it. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. No, that sounds awesome. Definitely was, like, a festival atmosphere you know there's plenty to do even after i lost my win and into day two and that one was on me though yeah um, i uh get i i mean i guess i haven't gone over my like story of the tournament at all sure um i went two two in pioneer um definitely like almost pretty much all of my losses with the deck in the weekend o- over the course of the weekend felt like they were mostly like variance based okay like I was rarely losing to somebody else's deck being better than mine or particularly suited to the matchup, mm-hmm. um, except for one blue-white player who was, like, really gunning for us. Sure. Um, 
it, it was pretty much just like, well, didn't draw a single payoff this game or, you know, got stuck on two lands. Um, and, and I'm not like moaning about variants. I'm just saying like the deck is really, really powerful. Um, and I definitely like it, it performed very well for me in testing and then just like, you know, kind of missed a little bit during the tournament. Um, but so I went 2-2 in Pioneer and so I'm kind of back up against it. I need to go 3-1 in Modern in order to day two. I uh, play against Burn three times, but I won two of my die rolls, which gave me the ability to beat Burn twice. Lost to it the match that I lost my die roll. Um, and then I got paired up against Aiden Briar in the last round. And I think I just hadn't been taking very good care of myself over the course of the day. One of the easier mistakes to make. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a little disappointed in myself because I usually make better decisions about that sort of thing. But I just didn't do a good enough job of drinking water and eating healthy food and stuff. And I was just pretty much not super able to like process what was going on. And I just like, you know, didn't respond to a Karn by activating my artifacts and cracking my Mishra's bubble. Uh-huh. And just, you know, didn't yeah. Didn't do a good job of like managing myself yeah, yeah, yeah. for that tournament. And I paid the price. Yeah. So well. Yeah, I mean that one. That one, I think, like gets even the veterans of this game that mm-hmm. know that that is something that they need to be doing. Yeah, that I suffer from that very frequently. So yeah, and maybe it was because like there's so much to do. There's so many people to talk to. There's so many distractions. Oh yeah, at, at the envy, it's just mm-hmm. really easy to screw that up. Right. So that that was kind of a bummer and a little disappointed in myself. Um, and we'll do better. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. So. Somebody also, I I also didn't respond to a Karn with my Mistress Bobble, mm-hmm. uh, just because I, I was hoping that they were going to immediately minus, and so then I could Oko and kill it, mm-hmm. but they just snapped off the plus on my Bobble after it resolved, and I was uh, like, oh. Much harder to kill it when it's at six, and <laughs> right, yeah, 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 you've yeah, lost yeah. your thing, you can Oko. <laughs> right, yeah, my opponent definitely uh, got me there, so <laughs> fair enough. I did not have an Oko on board, which... Um, if yeah. they get their Karn down and you don't have your Oko yet, mm-hmm. there's a real good chance you're not winning that game. Yep. Yep. Um, but that is, you know, one thing that we, that I've talked about a lot with Lee is that one thing that makes Karn not the end-all be-all in these matchups is you, you're reasonable at getting on board. Yeah. And Oko fights Karn pretty well, and Urza mm-hmm. Construct fights Karn, well, doesn't really fight Karn that well because if they plus on, well, you can't plus Karn on a creature, right? You cannot plus Karn. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that 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 works pretty well. Like you can get power on board, and if they haven't also gotten toughness on board, then you know, a Karn in hand becomes not the most powerful thing in the world necessarily. Yeah, sometimes it's not great. So a lot of play. Yeah. Oko is just the end all be all of the Oko's. mirror and deck. <laughs> Oko is ridiculous. Yeah. Honestly, I believe that the only reason that this deck is as powerful and oppressive as it is is just because it's the best oko deck yep it's the oko deck that just like has menial things lying around Mm -hmm. and no other deck can really do that as well yeah other than the artifact deck right i mean astrolabe is just the thing yep it's it's just incredible to have not an endless supply but about as many little things as you ever need in any given game to turn into three threes yeah the the deck is based entirely around oko could not possibly exist without it, and leverages it better than any deck that I've seen in Modern. So Yep, there you have it. Yeah. Um, I will be trying not to play it in the future, hopefully, but... Well, yeah, yeah. May, I think it's, it is required. getting to the point where it is starting to get hated out mm-hmm. significantly. Yep. So. Yeah. 
So we'll see. We'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else we want to hit up? Um, oh, shout out to Autumn and uh, Sam Black for their super sweet Envy deck. Oh, uh, yeah. Their, their Pioneer deck, like Black Green, Field of the Dead, kind of right. like mid-rangey with removal and Elvish Rejuvenators and just like values out with like, I think, four Fields of the Dead by the end of the game. Yeah, the Field of the Dead, they, they found a combination of cards that I don't think anybody else really realized, which was actually... Our Promise and Westvale Abbey, mm. plus the Field of the Dead. Yeah. So they actually had, you have a guaranteed sequence where you can hour out a Westvale Abbey and a Field of the Dead, mm-hmm. and then just like one, what's the three mana one one that digs for a land and puts it into play? Elvish Rejuvenator. Yeah, just one copy of, of that it just immediately turns on an activation of Westvale Abbey hmm. with the Field of the Dead tokens and the one one. Huh. Wow, yeah. Right, so, and apparently just, like, the format just cannot beat a flipped Westvale Abbey. So that seems like a very strong combination of cards that other people didn't really figure out, which is pretty cool. Yeah, cool to see. Yeah, especially because they're not actually investing that many resources Mm -hmm. into the Abbey itself. Yeah, I I mean, that's just, like, one land in your deck, mm -hmm. but it becomes a crucial part of your plan just because you have so many, like, tutor and dig effects for lands. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did play... A match or two against a Westville Abbey deck, mm-hmm. but it was an elves deck that invested all of their resources into flipping a Westville Abbey, and I was playing Thing in the Ice at the time. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah. how you beat that. I guess. But so. <laughs> if you're playing against a green black mid range deck with a bunch of fatal pushes and abrupt decays and stuff, mm-hmm. and thought seizes and whatever they have post board, clearing the way for an Ormondal and then just Ormondaling you over any number of any amount of board yeah that seems like a very powerful yeah. strategy for a mid-range deck no it, yeah and it was for sure um so you know definitely kudos to them for figuring that one out uh also ugin was just it's just the best thing to do against all these green decks yes eh, board's gone yeah <laughs> ugin still slaps yes yeah. that's, that's definitely the case yeah um if you can keep colorless stuff in play that really helps yeah ugin. uh ugin has a lot of trouble against um walking ballista specifically walking ballista is just oh yeah the it's stones. so good absolutely incredible so good yeah um, especially when everybody's playing elves and all this other like random stuff i just found a huge correlation between the number of walking blisters i drew and my <laughs> likelihood to win any yeah. given game yeah. yeah yeah i feel that card is incredible in, in this format and it's, especially if your deck is built to leverage it like the scales deck certainly is yeah um cool well i think we have now hit on everything that we wanted to talk about I guess it's time for you to go get ready for this PC, huh? All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to go play a new Star Wars video game. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm pretty excited to decompress. Yeah. To, you know, I decompressed yesterday, today, probably will tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, back on the grind. Yeah. I mean, you got to let yourself rest a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely one of the more stressful tournaments I've ever played, if not the most. But, you know, came away with... One of these, my yep. golden ticket. Um, very excited about that. Um, I'm also excited. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see where this takes us. And I can't wait to watch the players' cha- the players' championship, where every match is a feature match, and between most of them have know. my friends playing in them. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll cool. be great. Yep. Awesome. Well, I think that should do it for us today. So I just want to thank everybody so much for listening. We really, really appreciate you hanging out. Um, if you'd like to lend us some support, you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast to become a patron and come hang out in the Discord. 
Uh, if you want to head straight to our website, that is mdggrindcast.com. And uh, we have links to all of our episodes. We have links to our Patreon, links to Collins' coaching services there. Um, find us on Twitter. I am tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. The podcast Twitter is at MTG underscore Grindcast. And Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Mullen. Um, again, thank you so much. And have a great week. Peace. <laughs>